people in the street have incredible stories. This is Electric People Podcast. Welcome to Street Stories. Hey, what's up, street? This is Adam McClellan. I'm out in Boston West today and just finished a correlation meeting. And there was a training by one of our foundry reps, one of our up-and-coming reps. His name is Saeed Cadaver. And uh, he's been with us for a little while, but he shared an awesome story I just wanted to share with you guys real quick. So what's up, Saeed? How you doing, man? Hey, Adam. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you for all the love you always show our office. So um, you shared some stories today that were pretty awesome, and I wanted you to share them with the rest of the the rest of the street. And but, but first, let's just quickly introduce you. How long have you been with the company? What's kind of your quick, give us the quick uh, 15 to 20 second, like summary of your experience with Sunrun so far. Yeah, for sure. Um, I started with Sunrun back in 2021, around November, and officially started working around January of 2022. So it's been about a year and a half I've been here, and I couldn't be happier with the opportunity that I have. That's awesome. So where, where are you from originally, and when did you come to the States? I'm actually from Iran originally. I moved to the U.S. in 2009. And then just kind of share the story that you shared with the team today. Condense it a little bit, but um, kind of give us the highlights of like the, the highs and the lows when you first came to America, your family, the situation that you were in, where you were like on this path and then it got derailed. You get into sales somehow. Like walk us through that that story real quick. Yeah, it's a little crazy that I'm doing this today because before today probably – three people know about this entire story. I'm a very private guy, but um, I feel like Boston West and Sunrun is a fam- second family for me. So that's why uh, I decided to share this story so I can help some individuals elevate and uh, take advantage of the opportunity. So when I moved in 2009 to US, uh, I-, I came back from a very comfortable background and um, we never had to worry about money or I didn't, it wasn't one of the things that I thought I'm going to be responsible for anytime soon. This is when you're in Iran. Yes. And when I came to US, I came for education. So the first few years I was being supported still from back home. Got it. Um, Things took a sudden change in 2014 when we had uh, some issues back home and my father went through... um, an issue that he couldn't support us anymore mm-hmm. in the U.S. So that kind of made me grow up over overnight because um, I was very limited on funds and my funds were coming from back home. I was in uh, pre-med and my plan was go to medical school and actually be a plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. So that was my long-term plan. But overnight, I found out uh, I have to start supporting myself and my family that are in the U.S. and the funds won't be coming from home anytime soon. And um, I started looking for a job that could pay well enough that I could support myself and my family for at least a little while. And that's how I got into car sales originally. Um, when I got into car sales. How did you how did you decide on car sales? It was just the only sales job you could get into without sales experience. That's the crazy thing. Any sales job you want to get into, you need to have some type of sales experience, medical sales, real estate, anything else. So that was the only job I got. And I had some kind of connection that uh, 
basically told me, hey, I can get you a job in Carswell. So it was just destiny, basically, at the time. So just to quickly summarize, you're, you grew up in a wealthy family. Your dad's like, son, go to America, get your education. We're going to have you become a doctor, you know, become the family doctor here. You're, you're, you're just like living this, uh, this perfect like game plan that the family had for you. Right. And they send you over here, you're, you're pre-med, everything's going great. Blink of an eye, your world's flipped upside down. Your dad says, Hey, trouble in paradise back home. And this plan is now off and you're on your own basically. Now, when he called you and told you you were on your own, what's it just like, Hey, like, I'm sorry, but like, you're going to have to figure this thing out yourself. I don't have like this. The, the the game plan has changed. Like, how did that conversation go? So the worst part is um, how this event came by is um, he was actually arrested. So my dad was my biggest support system throughout my life. He was the rock of the family. He was the support. He was the single arc mm-hmm. that everybody counted on. And um, he had some issues with the local government and he was arrested, so we had no idea where he is. We didn't know what he's doing, what's going on. Overnight, he was arrested, all the assets were frozen um, during the process, and I couldn't even talk to him for six months. Jeez, so it wasn't a conver- it wasn't a conversation, it was just more of like communications cut off, and now you're just out swimming in the ocean without a lifeboat. Worse than that, because even the best friends he had at the time, the people who supported us throughout the life and people my dad supported through their lives, everybody turned their back on us. It was just us. There was nobody to rely on. So how old were you at this point? I mean, I didn't really have time to be devastated or upset because I still had my family here to support myself. Um, how, how old were you? At the time, I was 20. 20. Yeah. Okay. I was 20, 20, 21 years old. Um, it was my last year in college. And I actually got, finished my degree. I, I was working and finished my degree at the same time. I still got my bachelor's. I just never continued because I started working. But um, I just, I knew I have to take massive action and I have to save myself and my family from the situation. There was no other way around. All right. So, and where was this? This was in 2014. And where Where were you living at the time when this was going down? Um, I was living in Newton. Newton. Okay. So you're in Boston, going to school in Boston. Got it. All right. So, 2014, your world's flipped upside down, and you graduate college, and you think to yourself, car sales. I hadn't even graduated yet. So this started while I was well, still school. I was in school. So, but yeah, I mean. The way that it went down is I was talking to a few very close friends that I have at the time, and uh, these were the hustlers. I knew these guys had money. I was like, guys, I need a job like tomorrow. I, I need I need to do something. They were like, dude, you can make like $10,000 a month selling cars. I'm like, dude, that's perfect. Like, If I can make ten grand, that would save my life right now. And did you speak English as well as you do now at that time? Not... As well, I mean, I went to year of high school and I I learned English when I was um when I was younger, but 
the thing is I never had a real job before. So this was my first job that I have, that I'm working for somebody and I'm doing car sales. Yeah, you grew up a, a rich kid and I <laughs> Right, right. I mean, I wasn't spoiled. My parents yeah. always made sure we're disciplined and we earn our way through. But you always had enough. I always it. had enough. All right, so you're in car sales now and I loved what you shared upstairs where uh, the first month or first little bit, you struggled a little bit, but then it just clicked and you started going hard. What, how, tell us the, just kind of quickly the car sales experience. So it's a funny story. My, um, my first day, I actually owe my um, car sales experience to the general manager. He really believed in me, and I, I thank him for that. Uh, my first day, uh, I finally got hired after four weeks of, you know, back and forth about the background checks, getting the um, basically the blood test and everything like that. And I got started finally, and um, I was like, okay, so I can sell cars from today, I can make money, we're good to go. And I start my sales manager at the time tells me, hey, you're not selling cars today, you're gonna shadow for a whole month, you're gonna be moving cars, helping other people out, and you're gonna be making like $200 a week. You're like, I need money. I'm like, I can't wait, what are you talking about? Like, I need to, I need to make money. He's like, I'm sorry, you can't do that. So I go to the, General manager at the time, I'm like, Ian, like, if I can't start today, I, I have to quit. Like, I need the money. I started this job for a reason. I need the money right now. He was like, you're going to sell today. I'll get your customers today. You're going to start selling today. Go tell the sales manager. I'll tell you, you can sell today. Um, so I took my, I told the sales manager. The sales manager was very upset with my action. I understand. I went over his head. That wasn't the process, but I had no choice. Uh, that's what I had to do. I took my first customer that day. Um, they were very tough. They had me running around for three hours, test driving different cars. But I didn't care. I would have went really through mountains that day to make that money. Yeah. So I finally sell them a car. It was a $55,000 Honda Pilot. And I had to discount it like $4,000 to sell it. So at the end, I'm like, we're commissioned. So this is 50 grand car. I must have made like a thousand bucks. And once we finished the deal, the sales manager said, hey, congratulations, you made $100. Oh, man. I was losing it. I'm like, what do you mean? That's like <laughs> worse than minimum wage. I just worked like four hours to get this. They're like, yeah, you discounted the car. So you get commission. They didn't make money. You don't make money. I was like, all right, fine. So I start, you know, hustling again. I'm running around grabbing the next customer. Um, and it's so funny. My colleague who gave me the second customer, actually works with me in Sanra right now. And uh, he talked to the customer quickly. He was like, hey, you take him over. You need the, uh, you, you just started, I'm gonna give it to you. As he was doing me a favor. I was like, okay, that's nice of him. So I sat the customer down, sold them a Honda Fit. And the way I sold it actually was by telling them like, hey, you know, the first guy you talked to, he didn't wanna deal with you because he didn't think you're real buyers. So that's, fired them up. He's like, we're buying the car today. doesn't matter. So I sold them a car. I sold it at MSRP. I was like, yes, I didn't take any money off. Full sticker. Full sticker. This is going to be a nice commission. I take the deal back to the sales manager. He's like, good job. You just made another $100. I'm like, what do you mean? I just sell to that sticker. You told me if you don't discount it, you make money. They're like, yeah, buddy, but that's a cheap car. We don't have much markup on there. So that was my first day. But, uh, Moving forward, I sold about 32 cars that month. I worked seven months straight without a day off, bell to bell, and uh, 
like six days a week, seven, seven days a week. It was every Sunday day. to Sunday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And we had to be there for 8.30 meeting every day. Wow. And some days I left at like 10 because, you know, after the store closes, we still deal with the last customers. So I didn't have a life, but the motive that I had was so beyond you, any meaning. Yeah, you were digging your way out of a hole. Yeah, exactly. And and I did. I mean, I had God by my side. Um, I had my mindset and I was focused and I made it happen. So you're crushing it in car sales. What what was your total take home after you said six, seven months, seven days a week, bell to bell, nine to nine? What was your would your bank account look like at the end of that time? My bank account didn't look bad because I literally didn't even have time to eat. <laughs> so my expenses were zero. But man, seven months, I probably made like 90 grand, 80 grand working my ass off. Jeez. Yeah, that was crazy. If I spend those hours now in solar, I'll probably make a million. So you, so at one point though, you start doing really well financially and you take that 90K you parlay it into some investments, investments, some other stuff. Walk us through just kind of quickly what you did. You said at one point your bank account was over $2 million. How, what was the timeline from the 2014, uh, you know, bomb from your dad to, uh, this $2 million bank account that you were able to get to? Yeah. So, I mean, after a while, my dad came back, things never went fully back to normal, but you know, he was, he was, um, he got rid of all charges. There was nothing on him. Um, and it was just by association that he was, mm-hmm. um, taken in, but I didn't want to go back to school because now I tasted the making money on your own mm-hmm. and I never wanted to be dependent again. And I never want to go through that situation again. Right. I want to be in charge of my own faith and my own destiny. So I kept working hard. I was making between 200 to $250,000 in the car business. Um, and that's a limit. You really can't make any more. doesn't matter how good you are. And I was living a good life, traveling the world, you know, um, buying nice cars. And finally in 2018, I was like, what am I doing? I'm just living paycheck to paycheck. 2017. Um, and one of my friends was a stock guru and he started, you know, getting me hooked up on Tesla. So I started investing in Tesla at that time. Um, I need extra money. 50% of my income was going straight to just buying Tesla stock. Mm-hmm. And uh, fast forward until September of 2020, those investments that I made, um, it came to around $2.4 million. Wow. So I had about $2.4 million in Tesla. And I had two supercars. I was living in Millennium Tower, nicest apartment in Boston. And and at that point, you're 2018, so you're 24 at this point. 2020. This. Okay, so you're so you're 26. And you have two super. What cars did you have? I had a brand new Audi R8 V10 Plus uh-huh. and a Maserati Gran Turismo. So you were balling out. I was balling out. Balling out. <laughs> you thought you you thought it was never gonna end. I was like, this is it. I was like, this is the end. And uh, how much was your rent at Millennium Towers? Five thousand dollars a month. So just to to everyone that's listening to give you an idea, Millennium Towers is like downtown, right in the heart of Boston, like near TD Garden Financial District. It's like Celtics players are like living in there, right? Patriots players are in there, and uh, Saeed Kadaver. 
is in there as well, just balling out with his uh, with his Tesla stock money. And I was I was one of the high rollers. Although this is a crazy thing, I haven't touched that money by then, so I was just living off of my own money, and that money was just growing. Yeah. Which was the right way. I was still making the money on the side, investing. I was living good. I was making good money. So then what happened? So September of 2020 was the peak of my life. I had. $100,000 in my bank account cash. I had $2.4 million in stocks, my supercars, everything was good. Over $100,000 in watches. And that was conservatively. And I started, you know, listening to the wrong crowds. And these people convinced me that options trading is a good idea. Mm. So, and I was seeing everybody making millions 2020. Everybody was a finance guru. Everybody was, you know, making crazy money. And I listened to these people. I started uh, trading options. Well, and every, everything you touched was turned into gold as well. Right, right. And I was, I, I didn't have a bad day. It was like going to the casino and just winning every time. five years in a row. So you, you don't think it's going to end. And on my first, I remember it was September 2nd or 1st of 2020, I took my first option position on Tesla again because, I mean, that was my breadwinner. And uh, I took a $600,000 position on a one-month-out calls on Tesla. The next morning, Tesla stock was up 7% pre-market. So my options would have opened probably a million up. I would have made like about, about a million dollars profit. But uh, Uncle Elon decided to issue some new shares to uh, raise money. Mm. So the stock plunged that day. Like it went down the 10% and 7% it was up and it went down like 4%. And during the next three weeks, uh, the entire stock market crashed. S&P dropped like 15%. And this is the entire time I'm holding calls and I'm rebuying and that's like I'm just trying to dig myself out of the hole to get my money back at this point. Right. And I've never lost before, so I don't know how to psychologically, psychologically deal with it. Right. So I kept just trying to get myself out of the hole, and I kept getting worse and worse and worse. You were in quicksand. I mean, the more you struggled, the deeper it went. It was terrible. I've never... The trauma that I went through was as bad as, you know, 2014, when I knew my dad is, you know, in trouble. Yeah. And it was the same because I worked my, you know, entire life for this. This yeah. this is all I had. And I was so proud of being independent and doing it on my own. Now I'm losing it all, everything I gained in years. Yeah, you went from like tossing your keys to the bell the, the keys to your Maserati to the Bellman walking the Millennium Towers to not being able to make rent. By January 1st, um, I was having a hard time paying rent. And I sold my R8 first. Then I sold my Maserati. Uh, that helped for a little bit. But the problem was, as I was selling, I was paying my expenses. I was putting the rest of the money back in the stock market. Trying to get your way trying out. Trying to get my way out, going deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, I lost everything. So when you say, when you say everything... Like, what was the lowest amount your total net worth was after having well over two million, you know, months earlier? I literally went down to five thousand dollars in my account and the last AP watch that I had. And did sell the AP watch? 
<laughs> I got rid of the AP watch too. That was the last twenty grand that I got, and I, I, you know, I threw that away too because it went in that mental state, you can't share with anyone what's going on. No, you're just because everybody will think you're an idiot, yeah. and you are an idiot yeah. if you get yourself in that position. But I didn't know better. I never had a mentor who, you know, taught me what to do. I just, by sheer luck and effort and um, God's help, I got to that point. But yeah. at some point, the luck runs out. Well, you said something upstairs in the meeting um, that I, I've heard a lot of times over the years, which is I think sales people in general are really good at making money, but they're not great at keeping money. And that sounds like that was a tough life lesson for you is uh, you were really good at making money. You were really good at figuring it out how to get it, but keeping it's a whole different story, especially when times get tough. Right. So, so, all right. So fast forward, you're at the lowest of the low again and the solar lifeboat comes calling. How did you get into solar? So I was, you know, I was still in the car business, but at this point, I knew making 20, 25 grand a month on a W-2, which you're paying half in taxes, is never gonna get me back where I need to get. So a couple of my friends from the car business at the time joined the solar industry and they were telling me, man, you gotta come see these crazy checks. People are making like 30, 40, $50,000 a month. And I, you know, at that point, I kept hearing about it for a year. Uh, from 2019, but I, I I didn't need to believe anyone and I didn't care. Um, but at this point, it's like 2021, middle of 2021. I'm like, I got to get myself back together. Like, how am I going to ever make it if I'm going to keep being in the same mental state? So I finally, you know, took the chance and I met actually with Tiago in Boston Central. And I showed up in like suits and tie ready to go who who had recruited you initially though so you went in and Tiago was the first person you met with but who how did you get introduced to Sunrun um so my friend Jose Yapol who was in the car business with me before uh, he had just joined six months before me oh and he was telling me cool. about all the craziness and, and he, he's the one that got you to the meeting that kind of thing kind of because at the time I still uh I wasn't ready when he was telling me about it. And later on, I guess like Central was closed for recruiting. At the time they were maxed out. It was like doing the bigs. But I saw the ad online. So I hit up Jordan mm. and Jordan got me to the meeting by chance. I ended up at the same meeting in Central. Got it. And I met up with Tiago. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So you start there and you mentioned upstairs that your headspace wasn't in a great spot when you kind of first started just because of reeling from losing all your money and just all that kind of stuff. About how long did it take you to kind of really catch the vision of what this opportunity was? So, um, from the, f <laughs> I really caught the vision because I sold like two deals within my first two, a month and a half as I started. Cause I was still, you know, all messed up, was thinking about all losses. I'm like, I'm grinding for like 10 grand now. I just lost $3 million. How am I going to make it back this way? And then January hits and things change a little bit. So our um, 
our pay changed a little bit and I was like, oh my God, this opportunity is not going to last forever. So I got to catch the best part of it mm. as fast as I can. So starting January of last year, um, I just really started going. And that Jan, that, that quarter, I think I got 12 installs. And out of the 12 installs, I made about 105,000. Mm. So that's when I got on track. But to be honest with you, Adam, um, the habits were still there and I put that money again to try to revive myself. <laughs> yeah, you were still hooked. And Q2, my production went to like four installs. Yeah. I lost the money again. At that point, I was like, I'm done. This is it. <laughs> there's, there's no way to make the money back. Yeah. You were a gambler, man. You were a gambling addict at that point. It's it's just so tough. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I'm sure you've, you know, you've experienced similar things, but... That's all I had at the time. So I, would, I didn't have any backup to go on, so I just wanted to make it back. Well, there's just not a faster way to compound your money faster than hitting big on investments, which you had the luxury of having happened to you, so you were addicted to that, right? All right, so you start out pretty good, 10, 12 installs, then you take a dip, four installs, and you're like, I don't, again, depression basically hits. So how did you pull yourself out of it? Um, I just had no choice. I mean, it always comes down with me is in the moments of need. I, I know I have to pull myself out of it. And having the life experience of going through it, I I know how it works. I know how to just convince myself to get out there. And uh, it's the discipline. I'm, I'm pretty disciplined about it. I know at the bottom, it's just it's the only way to go up is by trying. All right, so fast forward to today, you're killing it right now, right? So you're it's 2023. Um, you showed your year-to-date compensation for the year. You're at like 140k already on the year in two and a half months, three and a half. Well, yeah, two and a half months. You're crushing it. What was that light bulb moment for you? It seems like it happened, if I remember right, probably like August, maybe. Um, July, August, or was it before then? Around that time. Around, around that time. Um, honestly, one of the biggest influences on me was Richard Howell. Mm. Um, this man, he was a great, he's a great leader, and just knowing him, he's not that much older than me. He's only a few years older, but he's had such a disciplined and planned life that I, I see him, at, I saw him as a mentor, and. He's the one that showed me all these new investments and all these other ways to make money. And I mean, I, I, I studied a lot about it and I realized um, I need to be after f- slow and steady money and make wise investments. Yeah. So I just realized I have to start making uh, money and invest it slowly. Well, and Richard is so good at this, but he's obviously has a very conservative investment approach, but what he saw in you was that you didn't have a financial foundation, right? Of just like basic fundamental things to become wealthy. You were just trying to shoot for the top of the pyramid, that high risk, high reward investing strategy. And it's just big risk and big reward, but you kept missing over the last couple of times that you were in it. Right. So he's like, we got to get this guy a foundation first. And then that 
I, you know, from what I could tell, it really kind of changed your mindset of, of kind of taking a step back and going, okay, like let's circle the wagons here, build a solid foundation first, and then let's just build on that. Right. Exactly. So it's pretty awesome. So you've hit boundary a couple times now. You're, uh, what are you going to end this quarter with? How many installs? I'm going to end this quarter a little light. I'm going to end it around 12 installs. Uh, but I'm, I promise you franchise this year. Yeah. I can tell I, if I had to bet money, uh, in my high risk, high reward, I would say you're a low risk bet and you're going to hit franchise. Um, it's already, I already know it's going to happen and just hearing, uh, hearing your story and hearing your motivation and your discipline, uh, it's all coming together for you right now. So it's pretty awesome. Anything that you want to say or share with uh, the rest of the street before we wrap up? Yeah, for sure. Um, one of my uh, biggest motivations also was you came last year to one of our meetings in Boston West and you were here with John Sanders. Mm-hmm. And by chance that meeting, I also had like a $55,000 check. And after the meeting, uh, you told me, hey, once you got $100,000 saved up, let me know. I'll take care of you. I'll help you do some investments. And I just love that's the culture of Sunrun and how every part of leadership, they care about the little guy and they want to help out everyone to elevate, um, even though that's really not uh, your area of concern. You just have to have people perform. But in Sunrun, the leadership has realized the better people do, the longer they stick around. And that's why the leadership have all been here for years and years, and they'll be around for much longer to take advantage of the opportunity. Well, I appreciate you remembering uh, some of that stuff. And, dude, you've been awesome to work with, and it's been really cool getting to know you better. So I'm excited for the future for you, man. Same here, Adam. Thank you so much. All right, Saeed Kadiver. Thanks, Street. If you're listening to this and interested in joining our teams, DM us on Instagram at RunTheLeague. What are you waiting for? Run the league, shoot us a DM, and let's get going.